Hey there, and welcome to High Vibe In It. I'm Lindsay Robinson, hypnotherapist and success mindset expert. And I'm Kelsey Aida, inspirational author and blogger slash manifesting expert. And we're best friends who are inspired to create a self-development podcast with a spiritual twist. To us, living a high vibe life is all about creating with intention, prioritizing how you feel, and making empowered choices that support your highest potential. Every week, we're here to help you learn how to live a more aligned, inspired life, start owning your power, and manifest the life of your dreams. Visit highvibeinit.com to connect with us on social media and learn about more ways we can help. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms so you never miss an episode. Now, we have a ton of value to offer you today, so let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome back to High Vibe In It. We're so happy to have you here. And today, as usual, we have a very special guest. His name is David Trotter and he's a transformation coach. And today we're gonna talk to him primarily about how we can start to embrace our uniqueness, uncover some more of our superpowers and bring our inspiration to the world as unique individuals with unique gifts. So David, thanks for being here. Thank you. It is great to be with both of you. Yeah. I don't know um, who all is listening. That's a part of our Patreon right now, but you're going to laugh when you see what happened before this conversation because you were just like making us giggle a bunch (laughs) before we even started. This is going to be a fun interview. Um, David, can you start by telling us about your journey, how you kind of felt called to this work and what you do to help um, people now? Absolutely. In late 2018, I had just wrapped up my fourth feature film. I uh, produced and directed three uh, documentaries on social justice issues and one scripted feature film. And I told my wife that I was feeling like uh, there was a kind of a shift in a different direction. I felt like I was being called in a little bit different direction, mainly because um, there were parts of the film work that I didn't enjoy. I didn't feel like I was using my best gifts, my best energy in the midst of that. And so I said, I'd really like to move in the direction of podcasting and coaching. I'd done a lot of coaching over the course of my 25 year career, but not necessarily in a formalized way. Um, My career began three years in corporate. Then I was a pastor for over 10 years, um, starting churches and did a lot of coaching, counseling, tons of speaking, obviously on a weekly basis. And then uh, the last 12 years, I've done a lot of marketing consulting work for both for-profit and non-profit, and then of course the films. So over the course of those 25 years, a lot of coaching, um, but I said I'd like to do it more formally. So we started Inspiration Rising in January 2019 as both a podcast and coaching platform. And the podcast, I have always said it's dedicated to women and the men who support them to rise up in life, love, and leadership. And so I interview primarily female entrepreneurs and leaders who are doing great things in the world and they share their wisdom with us. And we, of course, draw upon that. And then the reason why I focus the podcast and the coaching more so on women, parentheses, and the men who support them is because I, I talked to my wife and said, okay, who's this for? Of course, you guys know, you gotta, you gotta say, well, who is this for? If it's for everybody, it's for nobody. And we said, well, who are the people that have been most impacted by, by my work over the last 25 years? And we both agreed was primarily women Um, and women kind of 30 to 50 years of age have always been drawn to what I do. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the heart of the stuff that I, you know, I'm focused on, but it felt a little odd in the beginning, of course. 
um, to go and people still, some people get it, some people don't, and that's okay. I feel like I'm at my highest self, my best self when I'm working with women, um, either in support of women or coaching women or um, however that looks. And in a lot of my work in ministry, I hired female pastors, which is a bit unusual. I, um, in my marketing business, I've primarily worked with female clients. Even my work with um, films, one of my films is on sex trafficking in the United States. And we featured six female abolitionists who became aware of the issue of trafficking and then opened up an aftercare home to help with survivors. So for whatever reason, a lot of my work has been to in support of females and it just feels kind of natural to me. And so that's part of what I'm up to. It's very intriguing. I got to say, when I was introduced to you, um, I was very intrigued. I didn't, I didn't really know how to take it. And I think that's probably the reaction you get all the time. Um, but in a good way, for me, it was like this, like really cool, exciting, like curiosity, like oh, what, what, I wonder what draws him to the female journey. Cause you don't, you know, if, if you're, if you identify as a man, you, you generally tend to identify with those who have the same struggles as you, the same um, choices, decisions to make on a day-to-day basis. Um, and I was, I wasn't quite sure about you. I got to say, I'm super inspired by you already. And it doesn't surprise me at all that your main, the people that benefited from you the most were females because you, you tend to, like, I feel from you that you are invested do you know what I mean? And mm. not, it's, there's no, there's nothing else. It's just, you just genuinely want to help. And I, I really like that about you. So I would say like, would you say you've always kind of had this draw to the female journey and what kind of women go through? You know, I, I, I probably wouldn't say that. I mean, I feel like that would be disingenuous for me to say mm-hmm. that in the beginning of my book, I do um, in the introduction, I talk about how I look, because I've tried to examine it in my own life as well. You know, I mean, honestly, Lindsay, I went to my wife and I said, I don't know why all these women are attracted to the things that I'm doing. I go, it's, it's not because I'm hot and have, a, you know, all these abs. It's not, I go, maybe I'm gay. Maybe I'm gay. That's why all these women want to hang out with me. You know, I'm, oh my gosh. Like, I don't think you're gay. I go, yeah, I don't either. Because I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy that one part of being gay that I think that is required. The main I, part. Yeah, the main part. It's like attracted to men. I go, that's uh, not, it's not, you know, I'm just, okay. So anyway, um, so, but I, what I thought through was through the early years of all of our lives, women play a primary role. So in most people's lives, like my mom, I look back and I go, wow, she just, she, obviously she bore me, she birthed me, she brought me into this world. She cared for me. She nurtured me. She prepared me for school. I went to elementary school. Every one of my elementary school teachers were women. And most people would say that. Maybe there's one or two guys thrown in there, but most of them are women. And then around middle school or junior high, whatever you call it, um, it kind of starts to transition to guys. And that's not only true about uh, education, but also sports teams, um, spiritual or faith leaders. Uh, The bosses that I had at part-time jobs all began to be men for some reason. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Why do we entrust these early years of his lives to women? But then all of a sudden the women start to transition out and it's more men. And I began to continue to look at my life and go a lot of great men, including my dad. My dad's very present in my life, a huge investment. And, uh, but yet 
as I continue to look, I go, wow, this woman made a big impact in my life. This woman was my first boss in corporate. This woman I hired to be a, you know, a pastor on my staff. This woman I worked with in terms of um, you know, different things. So I don't know why. I don't know why. I just, I'm, I'm um, here's one thing that I, I would say. I was on a podcast the other day and I had a breakthrough actually in my thinking on this. It was crazy. I am a very type A driven, intense individual. And I can, in my, um, I hate to say worst moments, but in my most unhealthy moments, can be too direct, too intense, too perfectionistic. And um, that definitely is a case. I had a staff of a dozen people when I was leading a church with three different locations. And um, it's tough for me to oversee that staff because of that degree of excellence that I have in my head. And that communication can come off challenging. Yet, for whatever reason, when I'm around women, I find that that aspect of my personality comes out less. And I feel a more sense of a collaborative desire rising up within me. There's no sense of competition. I don't feel competitive with you at all. Um, and it's not because I'm better than, it's just more of like, oh, who are you? I want to get to know you. Like, how can I help you? How could you, you know, let's just like be with each other. So that sense of collaboration in me, I think comes out more. Um, and I feel less, um, you know, That's and, control um, freaky. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really like that. I feel better about myself then. I'm like, well, I want to feel, I want to feel that more, you know? So maybe yeah. that's part of it too. That there's like the subconscious desire within me. Um, but I also have, in no way, some desire to tell women what to do. Like in terms of the coaching process, it's very exploratory in terms of asking questions because I believe that that those hopes, those dreams, those visions are already within. I'm more of a reminder of what people oftentimes know but don't know how to embrace. And so like even the first part of the book is all about embracing your true identity. So, so many of us create an identity around a lot of other things. For a lot of women, that identity is around being a wife or around being a mom. Um, those are two strong categories around being a caregiver or a nurturer. And a lot of the women I work with have their children going off to middle school or college, and now their identity is transitioning because are they still a mom? Yeah. Are they needed differently? Yeah. Now I'm not needed as much. Well, who am I then if I'm not needed? Am I still a mom? Am I still right? And so it's then processing and going, okay, well, maybe that idea of you being a mom is not your true identity. It's part of your identity, but your, your true identity is so much deeper, so much uh, more rooted in your heart. And that's what I, people try to embrace. That is so cool. I love where you took this explanation in this conversation, because I know that in your, um, when, when looking into you, I know you focus I don't know if it's the majority of your work, but a lot of your work is around, you know, empty nest and that those kind of lifestyle transitions, because it is very important. You know, I've, I'm a mom of three young kids. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. need to think about empty nest syndrome anytime soon, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But, um, I, I definitely always, I think it's always on my mind, you know, who was I before I was a mom or even before that, who was I before 
society told me who I should be. And yeah. I think that's a question a lot of women either don't ask or don't know that they should ask, you know, like, who, who did I want to be before I was told who to be? And don't get me wrong. I love who I am. I love being a mom. And as any mom does, I love being a mom and a wife and, and nurturing and caring for these little tiny humans in my household. Um, but it does beg the question, what happens after that? You know, and you, you, you can't be just one thing. And I think it's so important for you to, to tackle that and to really know that that is a struggle because it really is. Yeah. And even in the midst of right now, this pandemic, so many of the things that people have built um, our identities around, when those things evaporate or go away, then we are left asking ourselves, well, who am I? Who, who am I really? If I don't have that job, if I don't have that 401k, if I don't have those investments, if I had a relationship and now it's like somehow disintegrated because we spend every waking moment together and now we're actually filing for divorce. Who am I if I'm not a husband or a wife? Who am I if I don't have that job? Who am I if I don't have that car or that house? Because I was the person who had the five bedroom house, right? Like that's part of my identity where it was like, uh, you know, well, those things are all for me, all of those things are, playful and fun the size of the house the car the clothing the um the the cosmetic surgery the color of your hair the style of your hair all of those so uh, socioeconomic status your education level none of those things are your true identity those are all things that we use to prop ourselves up and make us feel better about ourselves and try to feel fill that hole of not enoughness from within so for me, the way that I did that early on in life was through um, education. I figured out through college, man, if I can graduate with a BA and MA in four years and walk that line twice, wow, that would fill up that hole of not enoughness within me. Uh, my senior year of college, I was taking graduate level courses to finish my master's. I was working for Nabisco part-time cooking uh, cookies and crackers on the shelves to make money. I was a TA for a professor helping edit his book. I was the photo editor for our yearbook and newspaper. And I was married. I'd been married in between my junior year of college. You guys, after that year, I totally burned out. Why? Because I was using all these things to try to fill that hole of not enoughness. Well, then I went on and went into full-time ministry and I spent 10 years trying to build a bigger and better church in order to fill the hole of not enoughness. I ended up coming to a place 12 years ago where I would just had a total breakdown. You know, I just lost it because I could not, it wasn't working anymore. And that's what I find. And it's less about the transition of kids leaving the nest and more about at any point in our lives, when we lose something that we were building our identity on, then it causes us to question, who am I? So I either try to replace that, I get a bigger, better job or a bigger, better you know, husband or spouse or whatever, um, or get the implants or get the nicer car or you know, to make myself feel better. Or I do the deep work of saying, who am I really? Like without all this stuff, without, without any of it. That's a good question to ask. If anyone, you know, wants, wants to dive in, if everything that you cling to is gone tomorrow, would you be the same person? 
And I think identity know. crises are so valuable, <laughs> even though they're so horrible to go through as you Kelsey go through Kelsey loves them. a good identity crisis. I mean, I've had many. <laughs> like the first one was when I was like training my whole life to be a professional ballerina. And then I had like a lot of injuries by the time I was like right at that pre-professional level, like getting serious. Great example. Yeah. So yeah. then when that identity was stripped of me and I was like, well, if I'm not going to be a ballerina, if I'm not a dancer, like I'm nothing. Like that's like literally what I believed. I was like, I'm nothing. Like that's all I am. That's all I do. I literally go to school. I eat, I sleep and I dance. Like that's it. So yeah. without that, I was like, damn, like I really don't know what I am outside of that. Cause I've never really thought about it or explored it. And that was honestly like the first initiation of like my spiritual awakening. Um, and it sent me into like a huge like depression and all this like self-exploration. And um, it's just, yeah, like identity shifts are powerful. And then when you can come back to the true source of what and who you are, then it doesn't matter all the outside things. Mm -hmm. They're just fun. Like how you said. Yeah. 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 And, and ultimately that is very tragic that you couldn't continue forward, but you know, you had the wherewithal or you were introduced to someone to shift that from being a experience of tragedy to being an experience of transformation. And some mm -hmm. people never move beyond that sense of tragedy. They get stuck that in there. And that's person that, you know, lines their entire house with all their ballerina pictures. Um, not because they're remembering these as positive moments, but because of like, it's somehow a reminder of this is when life was good. Yeah. You know, and now it's not. And keeping that identity. Remember who I was, right? Um, that's hard. That's so hard. So how can you celebrate? It's like, wow, tell me more about that experience. That's so fun. And mm -hmm. then be in that place of, it was hard, but it was a transformation. And that yeah, was a you gift, have that was a gift like for you. Yeah, you have to have that balance of like letting yourself feel like how painful it was and like mourning the loss of yeah. that like identity and then also like celebrating what was good about it. And then like something that really helped me was, well, what were the things that I thought I could only be through dance? Like I, I felt like it made me really strong and really powerful and really graceful. And I wow. was like really feminine, but also like really um, – like radiant and all of these qualities that I was using dance to express, like they didn't just go away because I'm not dancing. Like there's yeah. other ways to express them. Totally. So when I realized that I was like, Oh, okay. I don't have to be attached to my identity because that's actually like who I am. Yep. Ah, oh, it's so powerful. Yeah. So is, is that kind of like, let's talk about in your work um, when, what kinds of people come to you, like in what stage of their journey um, is it during one of these kind of identity crisis -y events? Well, it's pain. You know, somebody is looking for help in the midst of pain. And that could be they're in some sort of pattern that they can't seem to break. It's mm -hmm. either a, a pattern of depression or, or sadness or um, stress, feeling like they're stuck and they don't know how to get out. It's all of those types of, you know, situations. I have found, though, with women, it's one of these experiences. It's a job that they don't enjoy. It's a health crisis, a child that now needs them less for whatever reason, um, or divorce or separation. Oh, so it's worst. one of those things that um, is kind of generally bring it up. I mean, it's hard. I, I don't even can't even think of somebody else who's maybe if it's a loss, a, a loss of a loved one, but that's not usually the case. You know, it's I think usually, we can all relate to the breakup one. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like people don't put enough importance on how breakups affect us mm-hmm. because it's literally like that person is now dead to you. Like if you're never going to see them Absolutely. again, it's like somebody died. And two days ago, you were like together. Like yeah. It's a shock forever. to your nervous system. Oh yeah. It's just brutal. It's like yeah, the it's, most brutal. I think breakups are like the most unnatural thing that any person could like ever go through. I think they're the worst, most horrible thing on the whole planet. Yeah. <laughs> However, and, right? They are needed. Let's just, let's be clear. Well, sometimes, Breakups yeah. need to happen. Um, some breakups need to happen. But yeah, I totally, it's, it, if I'm looking back in my life and feeling the feelings that are being described of like the identity crisis and the, the just deep, you'd like wake up and it's the first thing you think about. <laughs> That's what I would think about. Yeah, yeah. definitely be during one of those, like, of course, high school breakups were the worst because you're <laughs> the first time. so up here all the time. <laughs> anyway. um, so how do you help? Let's, let's talk about this true identity. I think this is so important. It's something that I definitely, this it's the basis, the root of everything that I do with my clients is if you really felt connected to who you truly are, would you be afraid of this? Would you, you know, want to take this risk? Would you be okay? And the answer is always yes. So um, how do you, what questions do you ask to get people really uh, identifying who their true identity is or what that is? Mm-hmm. Well, the first step is I help them identify what are the things that they've utilized in order to create an identity. Because most people, unless they've had a spiritual awakening, they're not thinking what you just said. Um, they're thinking, uh, well, who am I? Well, I'm a successful blank, right? I'm a successful mom. I'm, I'm somebody, I'm a student. I'm learning, right? Maybe that's a student and that's, that's their identity as a student. I'm a successful investment banker. I'm a successful entrepreneur. I'm a, that's where we go is usually what we do with our life. Or if you're a mom, it's about the relationships or um, it could be about sports. It could be about um, a team you know, even early in life, and some people never move beyond that, there's an identity around a sports team or a musical group or something of that nature. And so I help them, first of all, identify that. And usually they're in a place in life where they're realizing that that's not working and that they're they're using that in some way to fill up a void within themselves. So that's, that's the first step. I love that. Good questions. Good um, ways to allow them to be introspective. I think that's the first step is really getting people. I think what Kelsey said is very important too. When you were like, um, what made me attach myself to dance so much? And what, how did I feel? And, and maybe is, well, you tell me, David, is the next step, would that be where can you access that in other areas of your life? Would that be where we go with this? Well, um, I take them to the divine and uh, I tell people who enroll in my program, I go, if you don't, if you're an atheist, my program is probably not for you. Um, a lot of people join that are kind of more agnostic. They go, hey, I'm not really sure. But um, because of my background, my program is very spiritual. It's not Christian, but it's very spiritual. And that I believe that there is a divine that created you. I don't know how that happened, right? Exactly. I don't know how our world came into being. But I believe that the divine created you. And because the divine created you, and I believe that the divine is love, the definition of love, the embodiment of love, and that means that you are love as well. Not only are you love, but you are loved 
Um, my grandfather, who has since passed, um, after 30 years in the military, he started a wood shop in his garage. And he made all sorts of wood items in the 80s and, and 90s. And I'm even looking here in my office at a big, huge oak roll, roll top desk. There's a big oak bookcase, a bread box. You know, there's all these things. After he had finished the item, after it was complete, after it was whole, after it had um, his stamp of approval, like he was like, yes, it's done. It's good. It's what I wanted it to be. He placed a wood burning stamp underneath it or in the back of it that said handcrafted Erskine Trotter and just like impressed upon it. And so you'd have to turn it over and kind of look closely to kind of see it. But it was his way of saying that forever, as long as this object existed, his imprint was upon it. His fingerprints were all over this item. He envisioned the item. He crafted the item. He, he polished the item. He made the item exactly how he wanted it to be and it has his imprint. And so in the same way, I believe that we all carry the divine imprint on our lives, that the fingerprints of the divine are all over your life, and that you are whole, you are perfect, and you are enough, just as you are, in terms of your identity. Now, you can work on your skills. We can all work on our skills to come more in alignment with our identity. But our, ident our identity is we are whole and enough and loved just as we are. We don't have to do or be anything else to be enough. And that's where I take people. And we, root, we get rooted in that place. And from that place, then we start to explore more of that uh, divine imprint of what that means in our life. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. I like how you explained it, that we are so similar to God because God created us. And the way that I like to think of it and what I believe is like, not only are we created like by God, but we're also created of God. So it's like if God split himself into 7 billion or itself into 7 billion pieces of humans, like here we are. And it's like each drop of the ocean has the same qualities of the ocean because it's a part of it, even though it's not the whole thing, God might be fractured into all these pieces. Like the goal is to come back together, which is yeah. like where we are now as humanity. Like how can we integrate like the parts that are in ourselves that are at war and how can we come together as individuals and like love each other in the way that like I'm taking you in as a part of myself. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and the more I embrace that true identity, that I am loved, that I am inspired, that I am enough, that I am empowered, the more I embrace that, I find that more and more my uh, behaviors start to come into alignment with that. But the more I tell myself that I'm not enough, that I'm ugly, that people don't want to be with me, that I'm unlovable, or the world's out to get me, or people are always trying to take advantage of me, the more I t try to tell myself those things, the more... I start to uh, see my identity in alignment with those thoughts and behaviors. And that's where people get really off track. Now we start attracting things because we're now putting out this negative energy. Now we're starting to attract things to ourselves that are in alignment with our behaviors and our identity. And I'm going, no, no, no. We start with the identity and then, and then work toward getting the skills and behaviors to align with that identity. And that's where um, life begins to transform.
Yeah, because like you said, once you shift your identity, your behavior and your actions and your decisions are automatically going to shift to a more beneficial direction when you're in alignment with your true self. So I really want to get into in a second how you help people move from the space of really believing like I'm not enough and like their whole life they've been told like I'm not enough, you're not enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not rich enough, you're not this enough. Like how you help people shift from that belief to a new one, which is more in line with like an ultimate higher truth, like a higher perspective. Um, but first I wanna just give a quick shout out to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, whoever's listening, but basically it's an online resource to connect with counselors, therapists, and especially in times like this, when you're stuck at home, it's a great way to get some professional help, to get some guidance, and to just have someone hold space for you while you process emotions and go through the human experience, because we all know that it can be really crazy, and especially right now, it's a crazy time, so resourcing yourself with help is never a bad idea. If there's something that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, um, like I know I use better help when I was healing from a breakup and my counselor helped me a lot. Just having a third perspective that's outside of what's going on is like invaluable. Um, so I love better help for that reason. Also, you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. So you sign up, it's really quick. And within a day, you already have help. Um, keep in mind, this is not necessarily a crisis line and it's also not self-help. It's a professional counseling service that's done securely online. You can either video chat your therapist or you can um, like send them messages throughout the day. Um, you have a lot of contact with them and the service is available for clients worldwide. So BetterHelp is amazing. They're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so you can make it easy and um, just like really available to create change and have support in your life so if this sounds Plus, like something that yeah go ahead I love how everyone's like I mean everybody has to go online these days but these guys are like the OG of like online counseling they were always always like here for you like online so right now it's very important um because what, what else are, where are we gonna go <laughs> you, you gotta be on your computer anyway so you might as well get some mental health uh uh support um, if you guys want to go to betterhelp.com forward slash vibin, that's V-I-B-I-N, that's betterhelp.com slash V-I-B-I-N and join over 800,000 people t taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional therapist. Counselor. Yeah. And all of our listeners get 10% off their first month when you go to betterhelp.com slash vibin. So take advantage of this opportune moment. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Back at it. Cool. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about how do you help people shift their belief from I'm not enough and that's like really ingrained from a young age to embracing the notion, you know, maybe I am okay how I am. Maybe I am enough already. Mm -hmm. Well, um, part of it starts uh, slowing down our thinking so that anytime that we are feeling a negative emotion, um, we become curious and go, wow, hmm. I wonder why I'm feeling this in this in this moment, as opposed to feeling it and then kind of ricochet, ricocheting, you know, and going either toward anger or um, depression or feeling sad or you know whatever is go. Well, let me slow down my thinking here. Why am I feeling this? And then, um, have you ever had that moment where you've been going through life and you kind of feel anxiety for a second and you go, wait, wait, why am I feeling anxiety? And then you stop and you trace it back to something that happened like 10 minutes prior, 
I'll have that and go, oh yeah, it was that conversation or that was that, mm -hmm. that piece of mail that I opened or whatever. It's kind of like that, but slowing down and going, what thought did I have? What story did I believe about myself, others, or the world in general, or the divine that has caused me to feel this way in this moment? Yeah. So if it's, um, let's say in this moment, I feel stressed because I just got a bill and then I go, why am I feeling? Oh, I just feel so stressed. Okay. Ah, it's because I have a belief that I'm not going to be able to pay this because I'm, I lost my job. And that means um, I'm not able to find another job. And so now I've got a belief that I can't find another job. Well, if I hold on to that belief about myself, it's going to be helpful in moving toward a new job, or is it going to be unhelpful? Uh, it's probably going to be unhelpful. Okay. All right, cool. But now I'm kind of moving it into a, a slow motion cognitive process where I'm processing through that belief. Now I go, is there a different belief that would be more helpful to me in moving toward what I want? Well, it would probably be more helpful if I thought I could get a new job and if I actually put some action into motion. And this is where not only a belief of your identity comes in, but a sense of vision. It is hard, I have found, to turn someone's thinking around about their life if they don't have a vision for their life. Right. So if I just feel like I'm existing and I'm going to a job that I don't enjoy and I'm trying to turn around the way that I'm thinking about myself, that's really, really hard. But if I all of a sudden get a vision for something that I wanna do in life, and this often, sometimes with my clients, um, it's a stay-at-home mom that goes, well, I don't, I'm not in a position where I want to get a job, but my house is an absolute disaster, and I don't have a schedule with my kids, and I just feel like hopeless. Like it just feels like it's just going around and around. Oh, awesome. So what would a vision look like for you to create an environment in your home where you felt just full of life and love and joy, not perfect, but just what would that look like? And all of a sudden we start to get a vision for that. And now there becomes motivation to work on my identity because I've got a vision of also what I'm trying to create. Does that make sense? Like they both yeah. kind of go hand in hand. That makes perfect sense. I asked my clients something similar and I asked them, so if this is your current experience, what would you rather? experiencing <laughs> if you get to live in according to your preference and right now you're depressed but you would prefer to feel better how can we make that the vision my mm -hmm. preference is this yeah. and start moving towards that totally totally and for um, a lot of the people that I work with that feeling is good we want to move toward feeling but it's also something in the outer world that represents that so mm -hmm. that I would be excited. I would feel great if my um, closets weren't just jammed, packed full of stuff that I don't ever use. I mean, you would believe how many people I work with that clutter is a major mm -hmm. stressor in their life. I mean, it just blows me away. And so it's like, okay, well, great. Let's do something about it. Let's move toward that. Cluttered closets also reveal that there's probably a cluttered mind and a cluttered heart. Completely. You know? There's yeah, not a clarity. It's crazy the correlation of the two because I study a lot of feng shui and basically yep. the way feng shui is, it's like you can 
intentionally create your house in this certain way to influence your internal and the vice versa is true. Like whatever's going on inside of you is going to be reflected to you in your home. So it's like classic law of attraction stuff. Yeah. Like you yeah. attract what's going on inside of you. Look yeah. at your house. You Look can around. identify some pain points. And the point of that is not to put you in pain, but to make you be like, well, if you don't want this, like you get to change it. Yeah. 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 I love even looking at the things that you guys have in your backgrounds. Like you, Kelsey, you have a plant. I go, oh, Kelsey likes life. She likes to take care of life. She likes to grow things. Like that totally makes sense. Oh my goodness, Lindsay, you're, it's like a light and bright room. Like your pastels and even your makeup and your hair color. Like it's like this light and, and I bright do have feeling. plants. They're just over there. <laughs> They're on the other side of the camera. My little plant <laughs> friends are. <laughs> I'm not as green of a thumb as Kelsey. You don't have to like plants. So it's not about like it. It's about <laughs> just seeing that the things that you've created in your home are yeah. evidence of that lightness and brightness, you know, yeah. inside of you. It's yeah, absolutely so. true. Like I have complete control over this room. This is my office. This is where I, I no one comes in here. If my yeah. kids come in here, they get right back out. They, they know <laughs> not to come in, right? There's a lot of things that they have broken and can break in here, so they're just not allowed. But you walk outside this door where I don't necessarily have all the control, and it's it's a little bit of a different story. But this <laughs> is my domain, so yes, I, I think that's absolutely true. W what we take ownership over and what we um, really kind of claim as our territory, um, for the most part. Like I, I can't really claim that how this rest of it as mine completely because children, but this is mine. So yes, I have, and Kelsey lives, you, you don't even have any roommates. So what you say goes in that house. That's right. It's my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, occasionally boyfriend comes over, right? But he doesn't touch anything. No, he likes my house. My, everyone who comes in my house loves it because I'm the feng shui master. Yeah. You There's the crystals crystal. everywhere. There's plants everywhere. Everything is like nice to the touch, nice to the eyes. It's all very intentionally manicured to be the best reflection that I could create like of my yeah. inner world and to help influence like my calm you know I know ways helped me to be calm so. I think I think Kelsey <laughs> and probably David too I think you might be the same way as me where if you do you know go into a room of your house and there's just stuff everywhere I immediately get anxiety like I immediately start to feel my throat like clench and my heart goes into my it like up and it's just like oh my gosh what what is and I have to I have to either remove myself or just start cleaning and I know that that can be daunting like when I think about starting I'm like oh come on there's so much to do and I'm picturing the done product versus like what happens if I just take five minutes and clean up five things like I'm sure I'll feel so much better um, but it can't, I know the struggle for anyone listening. That's like, oh yeah, declutter. So simple. I know the struggle. It is not simple. I have closets that I haven't <laughs> looked at in a year, but if you just time yourself for 15 minutes and get started, it can make a world of difference. True, David. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, and, uh, our, our home, you know, I regularly, um, I'm more the declutterer. My wife is more the cleaner. Like she's like, I want mm -hmm. things clean. And I'm more like, you're the, oh my gosh, so you're so my husband. He's like, let's just get out of the way. I'm like, no, but that's only like halfway. You have to like do the whole thing, <laughs> which is probably why I never can like finish a product. Cause I just get too daunted. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. So I think part of, you know, this whole idea of a shift that we're talking about mm -hmm. the shift from kind of those ruts, that feeling of funkiness 
it does require a high level of intentionality. It does require us um, in the same way that when you get that mail, all right, that comes every day, whether it's, you know, and let's just call it junk mail, mm -hmm. right? This stuff that you didn't ask for. And so we have thoughts that come into our heads that we didn't ask for, okay? They, they've come from somewhere, whether it's a teacher or a parent or a spouse or, or a corporate America telling us we need to look a certain way or do it by a certain thing. That's junk mail. Yeah. And so when it comes into the house, you have a choice. What are you going to do with it? Now, for a lot of us, we put it on the dining room table and that becomes a place or maybe it's a kitchen counter or maybe it's, you know, and it piles up. And it, and it doesn't go away. And the same thing with thoughts in our head, that as soon as it comes in the door, the question is, what are you going to do with it? And what that requires is training and a system. You have to have a system. So sometimes I'll just take it right over the trash can. Like it just, it you doesn't just look at it, it and throw it. Doesn't <laughs> hit do. anything. Yeah. It doesn't hit anything. It just goes in, right? That's the system though. That's a system I chose you have the power to choose where you want your junk mail to go. So a lot of the process is giving people a system to slow down their thinking and go, oh, this is junk mail. Interesting. Let me take a look at this. Do I need this? No. And then what would I, what would I, but I got to replace it with something, you know, because in that's different with junk mail in uh, when it comes into our physical home, you don't really replace it with anything. You replace it with, you know, kind of a blank slate, but it is most powerful to replace junk mail, as you guys know, in our heads with something that's positive. And you've got to have those positive things at your disposal to replace it with. Mm -hmm. Release and replace. You know, I, I always talk with, you know, when I work with clients, how much of this stuff is in your voice? Probably none of it, because when you're a child, you're showing off, you're proud of yourself, you're a freaking superhero. But at some point, we all this stuff builds up, and as you so eloquently put it, from you know outside sources, your your teacher, or your boss, or your whoever, does not mean it's yours. It's just living there. It's taking up space on your on the kitchen counter of your brain. So <laughs> dump it away, release it, replace it. I love that you made sure to say replace because you can't just leave a blank space in your mind. It will fill itself unless you fill it. Um, so perfect way to say that is just, you know, as, as you put it again, just what, what would I rather think about this? How, what's a nicer way for me to, to think about this? What feels better? That's always the answer. What feels better? Follow that feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. For me, it also means that I've done work ahead of time because yeah, the prep. Yeah. Cause if I, if I have a negative thought, but then I go, Oh, I remember, you know, Kelsey and uh, Lindsay, they told me to re re release and replace. What do I replace it with? Because I'm, I'm in a place where I don't feel like I'm enough. So to say I'm enough, I've got so much editing that's going on in my head that goes, well, I can't say I'm enough because I know that's not true. But they are, I am, we are uh, looking at oftentimes our skills or behaviors rather than our identity. And these thoughts that we're thinking through need to be focused on our identity, not our skills. Am I always the sense of enoughness, right? Am I enough in my identity? 
absolutely. Am I enough in terms of um, skill set of being a husband, a father? Well, I'm always growing. I'm always learning. That's a skill, though. That's different than my identity. And so if we don't do the work ahead of time to identify the truths of who we really are, then when we get to that time of release and replace, it's like, I don't have anything to replace it with. But I have to. And it also is helpful. You guys you guys know this. It's also helpful to have the voice of another person to replace that. So if somebody's working with you guys as their coach or, you know, mentor, um, wow, okay, I can hear Kelsey's voice say, I'm enough. All right. I don't believe it right now, but I'm going to operate on the fact that Kelsey believes that about me. And that becomes so powerful to me. And it's not because I'm not enough because Kelsey says so. I, that's not the case. But she's helping me. She's empowering me. She's reminding me of the truth that I can't hold for myself right now. I'm too weak to, to, to believe that about myself. But I remember she believed it for me. So I'm going to embrace it. Um, that, that becomes a lot of empowerment. Yes. So much good stuff coming out I of his mouth. <laughs> I mean, it's important to surround yourself with people who uplift you. And like, I have a really great story about this, where when I was going through that whole identity crisis, and then I like fell into three years of like depression, like hardcore, like suicidal thoughts, like the whole shebang, there became a point where I was like, okay, I'm either going to get better or I'm just going to kill myself because those are my only two options to like escape this pain. And um, I was seeing a therapist and I didn't want to take any medicine or anything, but she was like, Hey, I know this holistic doctor, maybe he can help you out with some supplements that might encourage you on your path to healing. So I was like, okay. So I go to see him and I was telling him about everything. And he just like looked at me and he was like, you know what? not to diminish what you're going through, but I feel like you're almost already on the other side of this and you're like a really strong woman. And like, I feel like you actually don't even need like me, like you're already doing it. And when he said those words, I was just like, you know what? I think he's fucking right. Sorry, I say bad words on the show all the time. I was like, I think this guy's was our explicit black. And then, and then I was like, from that day, I like it just started lifting and lifting, like yeah. all the depression, just because this one man who I'd never met told me that I was strong and that I was already almost on the other side of it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Cool. And, cool. Crazy. And, and that's the power of not only somebody's words in our lives, but our words. So when we have loved ones that are going through challenges, you know, when we have a random stranger that we come across, whether it's a coaching client or um, the power of our words is just so monumental in people's lives. And I, I, that's, you know, it's always good life lessons, you know, for me, I was doing a Facebook live the other day for my um, Facebook and I'm in front of a Kmart that was closed down and it was part of this metaphor I was using. And I see this guy and this gal, he was walking and she was riding up on her bike and I see him kind of coming. I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm out in the middle of the parking, you know, area. And, and the guy says, uh, Oh, you, you doing a video? You recording a video? I go, actually, I'm live right now. Would you like to come on over and meet, meet everybody? <laughs> and uh, he walks up and uh, I said, actually, I'm talking about our identity. I go, uh, and I met him. His name was Ryan. And I said, now, Ryan, um, besides your name, who would you say you are? 
And he played right along. He got up. He's like, well, I, I'm a guy who's just, you know, and I could tell this guy's living on the streets right now, you know, and he says, I'm trying to figure out life, you know, and I'm just really struggling. And I've got these, you know, I, I, I'm new to the air, you know, blah, blah, blah. He went through the whole thing. And so I just talked to him right in front of everybody, you know, and it's, uh, and I just said, Oh, tell me, how did you get to Costa Mesa? And he said, Oh, I, I, came to LA to get on rehab and then I got a good job and then I relapsed, came back to Costa Mesa to go to rehab. And then I said to him, I said, you know, what's interesting, Ryan, he was 31. And I said, people who don't know your journey would call you a drug addict. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I go, but that's not your identity. You are one who is struggling with an addiction. Okay. That's a behavior. That's an issue that you're wrestling with. Your identity, Ryan, is one who is loved. You are loved and you are loved. Now your skills and behaviors, you're, you're trying to right, process those. You're trying to work through those, but you're not a drug addict. That's how people might see you, but you can't see yourself that way. And just a powerful moment, you know, because so many of, a, of us label ourselves a certain way. And uh, that might be how society labels us, but to go, no, 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 that's not, that's not who I am. You know, like, I mean, Lindsay, you're a mom, you're an incredible mom, you're an incredible wife, you're an incredible podcaster, you're an incredible, uh, you do hypnotherapy, correct? Am mm -hmm. I right? Yeah. So all those things, but that's not the totality of your identity. You know what I mean? No like way, you, Jose. Yeah. You've got, those things are all beautiful and good and helpful and fun, playful. But you know, tomorrow, if you decided, I don't want to do hypnotherapy anymore. I want to do X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. Like the, your identity, you're still the same. You know what I mean? Oh, you're yeah. still the same person, but you get to choose how you spend your time and energy and all of those things. Um, and, and that's what's powerful is when we do that, we feel grounded. Yep. Then when something doesn't uh, go our way, like what if somebody has not a good session with you, you, and they're like, oh, you're the worst. You're like the worst hypnotherapist. I've been to a hundred <laughs> hypnotherapists. You're like this the worst. Brutal. Right? You're the worst person ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm really sorry. You had that experience. Um. It, I actually right, don't would, know how I might take it in just for like an hour because nobody's ever done that to me before. And I feel like I would need a minute <laughs> to just like figure we out what's happening. We all would, we all would be, we all would be reflective. It's not that it wouldn't yeah. hurt because that hurts. Cause we want to yeah. do a good job at whatever we're, we wanting to help people. You're the worst. Oh my goodness. I felt but, that. But, I'm going to dream about that. <laughs> Thanks David. But it's not your identity. You know what I mean? Right, right, like, yeah. It's like, oh, that's information. You're just taking it in as information. Like, Absolutely. oh, you had a tough experience. We weren't on the same page. Okay, interesting. I'll work on that. Mm -hmm. I'll, we'll, we'll process through that. But I'm okay. I'm okay. Because I'm loved. And yeah. I'm loved. And I'm growing. I'm growing in what I'm doing. Right? See that? I mean, that's such a big difference. Such a big difference. Yeah. And for yeah. me, like, oh, for a long time, I think everybody must through their reflective years, go through this period of reflection and figuring out their true identity. So in those, before that happened, in those moments, I, I don't know how I would have 
responded, but I know I would have just like weighted myself down so much and just, that's the best way I can describe it. Just like taking it in so much that you can't feel anything else beyond it. And for me, letting it go is just, it feels so much better. Like it just feels at the end of the day, take what you need from it, let yeah, it go. It right. feels, there's no downside, you guys. There's no brownie point. I love saying this. There's no brownie points for suffering longer like than you need to. There's no one's going to give you a medal for feeling bad. It's never going to happen. So why not just feel better and whatever it takes to get there. And David, you are one of those people <laughs> that helps people to get there. Can yeah. we talk about your book? I want to talk about your book. Let's do it. Let's do it. So what made you decide to, and here's a picture for those watching the video. And if you're not watching ride. the video and you're like, where the F is this video? Go to <laughs> patreon.com slash high vibe. <laughs> Perfect segue. But what made you decide to write uh, this book called Empowered to Rise? Um, just tell us about it. Tell us about how, you, how it came to be. Yeah, I wanted to give people a taste of the coaching that I do and the heart that I have and kind of the method that I use to help people do these three things, you know, embrace your true identity, uncover your superpowers, and bring your inspiration to the world. It, it flowed, the book flowed out of a manifesto that I wrote, uh, and I'll hold up a little card here, um, that I wrote for our community. When I started Inspiration Rising, I wanted to write something that would embody what I wanted us to all be about. And so, do you mind if I read it? Would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Only, only take a second. Um, it says, my life has been inspired from the moment of conception. I am whole and complete just as I am. I don't have to do or be anything else to be loved. This is my true identity. Embracing my inspiredness, I am discovering my unique way to bring inspiration to the world. My life story, wiring, and strengths are my superpowers, and I'm learning to use them with others for the sake of others. I have access to all the resources I need to live out my inspiration, and I will be strong and courageous in the face of any challenge. My inspiration is rising. So I love it. what I did was I took this manifesto and I wrote a chapter on every sentence because I wanted people to get the um, kind of full expression of what I was saying in that manifesto. And before I wrote the book, I actually went to my Facebook community and gave them a number of titles and they chose this one. And then I gave them a number of book covers to review and they chose this one. And then I gave them the length of the book. I said, do you want it zero to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 150, 150 to 200, right? Most self-help books are between 200 and 250, 300 words, or I'm sorry, uh, pages. And they said, resoundingly, they said, please make it between 100 and 150 pages because we actually want to finish it. We don't want to get a third of the way through and go, okay, I got the point. I want to put this down. I love so it. I wrote the book um, for my community and for, you know, obviously others that, that it would be helpful. And this has been very positive. And uh, my hope is that it would be um, a jump start for if you're feeling stuck, you can read it. You can get more clear on who you are get more clear about what you want to do in life and you're left with some action steps to move forward and recognize more than anything that you're already empowered to rise. You don't need my empowerment. You don't need anybody else's empowerment. You're already empowered. You're just embracing that empowerment. 
That's awesome. I love that you left the design and the length and all of this stuff to the people who support you because it's like they helped create the book. Yeah. Absolutely. They want to see the finished product. That's and, incredible. I love that. And in the back, uh, I actually asked people to um, be on the book launch team and I had 80 people sign up and on page 129, all of their names appear. Uh, oh, cool. That's so all the cute. people that were on the launch team to help kind of spread the word and get it out there. And yeah. Oh, how Shout amazing Shout out to all that? the empowered peeps. Yeah. Empowering yeah. everyone to rise. We're going to link to this book in the show notes, you guys. So don't worry about trying to find it on the Google yes. or whatever. But Empowered to Rise, we'll put a link for you. Um, David, before you go, can you tell everyone where else they can find you, how they can work with you, and all that jazz? Sure, yeah. Our website is insporising.com, I-N-S-P-O, rising, R-A-S-I-N-G.com. The website um, obviously has the podcast and the Launch Your Life coaching program and the book. Um, the book is available on Amazon. And um, the podcast, Inspiration Rising, is on all the platforms, of course. Of course. Got to have it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> David, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I'm like such a big fan. I can't wait to dive deeper into your book. Oh, um, thank you. And yeah, I, anybody who's interested, check him out. He's not messing around. He will change your freaking life. Um, do you have time to stick around and talk to us on our Patreon page? Oh my goodness. As long as you don't, you know, <laughs> insult me like you did earlier. <laughs> okay. He's I lying. Like we, He's lying. I feel like we need to clear the air here because they're going to be like, what? All sorts well, of insults being thrown around in the Patreon. So and it wasn't just... an insult. That sounds bad. It was definitely not an insult. It was more just a uh, playfulness. <laughs> Yes, You'll we're going to go play in the Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash high vibe if you want access to those videos. We put extended episodes every week over there. Um, and until next week, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. We hope you love this episode. If you love High Vibe in it, become a part of our Patreon family. You can support the show, see the extended version of this episode, get bonus content, and access exclusive discounts. Head over to patreon.com slash high vibe to join. We have tons of perks waiting there for you, and we're always hanging out in there, so we hope to see you inside. Please feel free to share the show and help us spread the high vibes far and wide. And of course, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you feel inspired to leave a review, we always appreciate it. See you next week.